And so before we dive in today, we're going to, by the way, today's conversation, we're going to say like four different, five different prayers together. Let's begin this conversation with what I'm going to call a prayer of positivity, okay? Because we want 2024 to be that kind of a year. So again, put your palms out in front of you. If it helps you to close your eyes, you can do that. If not, that's okay too. If there's nothing spiritual about eyes open or closed, but take a deep breath in. Again, hold it. Exhale. Now pray this in your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, as I begin this new year, please grow me and mold me and invest yourself into me starting right now. This is my legacy prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Good. Okay. Luke chapter 17. It's where we left off last year, 2023. This is where we're at. We're going to skip down to verse 20 for our conversation today. The verses will be on the screen for those of you tuning in in front of you or the screen behind us for those of you who are here on campus. This is what we read. Try to picture the scene in your mind. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. One day the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of that day, Jewish religious leaders, they asked Jesus this question. When will the kingdom of God come? When will the kingdom of God come? Now skip down to verse 22. So Jesus said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns or when the kingdom of God arise, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. So here in our Bible story, Jesus has asked this question, right? When will the kingdom of God come? When will the kingdom of God come? You know, by this time in Jesus' ministry, as most of you know, he is preparing his disciples for sort of the baton pass. Jesus is about ready to, to go to the cross, which we're going to get closer to in the upcoming weeks. And he's about ready to, you know, shed his blood on the cross so that you and I could have our sins forgiven, which is what was necessary, the one person's life or another, so to speak. And so, and then Jesus was going to rise from the dead, right, which is what we're going to celebrate on Easter, and then go to heaven. And he's telling his disciples, listen, I'm about ready to go to, to the cross, and then after that, I'm going to go to heaven. And while I'm in heaven, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You. And while I'm there, in the meantime, you got to take this baton and you got to carry on this, this ministry, right? John 3.16, Beto showed it with us, his coat. For God so loved the world that he sent or he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him with your heart or your mind will not perish but have eternal life, right? So Jesus is going to heaven. He's about ready to give this baton to his boys. And while he's there, people are going to be waiting for his return, because the Bible tells us in Revelation that when Jesus comes back, he's going to establish this new heaven and this new earth. But until that day arrives, Jesus warns us. He says there's going to be people, there's going to be leaders, there's going to be false prophets and pastors who are going to pop up on the surface who are going to have this miraculous power to do amazing things. And they're going to say, I'm the Messiah. I'm the king. Follow me. Give me your money. Give me your whatever, right? Follow me. And Jesus says, don't fall for that stuff. 
Because when I come back, it's going to be like lightning in the sky. How many of you have seen lightning in the sky? It's going to be noticeable. So don't, make no mistake, when I come back, I'm going to come back like a king and you're going to know it's me. So in the meantime, though, get after it. But here's what Jesus tells us, which we're going to read here in this next set of verses. Jesus then, in these next set of verses, he says there's at least three things that are going to happen on a regular basis that you can look for that are going to tell you that my return is about to come. And that's what we're going to see here. Okay? So look at 26. Verse 26. Here's the first thing that we should look for before Jesus' return. Verse 26. He says, when the Son of Man returns... It will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. So what's Jesus saying here? Write this down, point number one in your app notes. I think the first thing that Jesus is telling us to look for as an indicator of what's going to take place around the time, about the time that his return is about to happen, is what I'm calling daily normalcy. I'll explain that in a second. Daily normalcy. Do you remember the story of Noah? In the Bible, in the book of Genesis 6, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, the Bible tells us, the Bible writer tells us that the earth and the people of the earth had become inc incredibly wicked. And so with the purpose of purging earth from the chaos and the growing intensity, God our creator, for whatever reason, made the decision to start over. And the methodology that he chose was to cover the earth with what? With water. Sparing only a small remnant of people, which turned out to be Noah's family and a pair of every animal that God had ever created. The Bible tells us that God instructed Noah to build a boat. Anybody know how long his boat was? It was one and a half football fields. If you have you ever been to a football stadium, one and a half football fields, and it was about three stories high, about the size of the waves of the last week here on Southern California. And that this life, this, this boat would serve as a lifeboat to really help the survivors of, of this upcoming flood. Now, in Genesis chapter 5, interestingly enough, we're told that Noah was 500 years old. Anybody here in the house who's 500 years old? Not yet. He's 500 years old when he starts to have a family, his three boys. And in Genesis chapter 7, we're told that he's 600 years old when the flood comes. And so somewhere between... 500 years old and 600 years old, most scholars assume and that Beto, not Beto, Noah built this boat that took him roughly how many years? 100 years. Now here's a question for you to consider. 100 years. 100 year time frame. Is that enough time for Noah's neighbors to heed the warning that judgment day is coming? Yes or no? For sure you would think, right? So why didn't they? Why did Noah's neighbors perish in the flood? It's because they were caught up in the ordinary affairs of life. They didn't take notice of it. And when the flood waters of destruction started, they were all overtaken. Why? Because daily normalcy did them in. Okay, now personalize this. 
Show of hands, how many of you are engaged in everyday stuff? Me too. I am too. And Jesus tells us here that daily normalcy is it, it's a precursor to his return. So here's the challenge. Complacency is something that we're all susceptible to. You know, I propose that we're not a lot different than Noah's neighbors. Not in the sense that they were super evil. I mean, the fact that you're here and you're pursuing maybe a, a relationship with God, you're probably on the, the, the less sin category. You're still, we're still sinners, right? But maybe you're not as bad as the people in, in Noah's day. But nonetheless, you know, we are just as uh, maybe guilty of just getting caught up in the everyday stuff of life. You know, friends, God's not anti-enjoying life with friends and family. God's not anti-working or building a better future for tomorrow, which is what this legacy series is all about. He's just simply reminding us here in, in Luke chapter 17 that when he returns, it's going to be sudden. And so it would be prudent for you and me to keep a kind of an, an eye on the sky and not fall prey to the, to the rhythm of daily normalcy. You know, Tyler and Lexi, you're sitting on the different side of the church today. Partly because your friends are here. But that's good, right? <laughs> Sit in a different chair. Break up. Drive home differently today. Take a different way home. Go out to eat at a different place, right? So let's, we're going to say a prayer together. So here's our first prayer. I'm calling it a prayer against sleepiness. And self-centeredness, okay? A prayer against sleepiness and self-centeredness. So put your hands open. Deep breath in. Just roll it. Hold it for a second. Relax. Now pray this. Say, Jesus, please help me this year in the pace of my daily activities to enjoy life while living with this awareness that your return could happen at any moment. Say, Jesus, please protect me from the lure of daily normalcy. Good. Now, before we end this prayer, I want you to pray for one more thing. I want you to think of a person in your life, in your circles of influence right now, who you think could use God's touch on their life. They could be a Christ follower. They may not be a Christ follower. Okay? Got someone in mind? Now pray this. Say, Jesus, in this moment, I lift up to you and you fill in the blank. Please nurture them right now with your divine touch. This is my legacy prayer in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Good. Okay. Let's keep reading. Verse 28. Jesus goes on. He says, in the world, besides Noah, he said, the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business, eating and drinking, buying and selling, farming and building, until the morning Lot left Sodom. Then fire and burning sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. Yes, it will be business as usual right up to the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Stop here. Y'all remember who the story of Lot? Y'all know who Lot was? 
The story of Lot is found in the book of Genesis. Lot was a nephew of a man by the name of Abraham, who is the father of the nation of Israel. And Lot, we're told, was blessed by God with tremendous wealth, along with, with Abraham, and which to me illustrates again, which we talk about, God's not anti-wealth, God's not anti-family, God's not anti-having a good time. He's, Lot was a, a prosperous businessman. The Bible tells us that Lot was married, Lot had two daughters, and unfortunately for Lot and his family, they lived in a region called the Jordan Valley, specifically in the city of Sodom, which was notorious for its sexual carnality. And so because of the sin found in this particular city of Sodom, God decided, like the people during the days of Noah, that he was going to eradicate sort of, if you will, the, the sin of, of that area. And, and he told, though, told Lot, though, who apparently was a worshiper of the true God, that if he could, if he was, not only was God going to spare his life, but God would also spare the life of anybody who Lot could convince to join him on a road trip, so to speak. He said, Lot, you gotta, you're going to need to flee the region. Um, if you can convince anybody to come along with you, do it. And we know his daughters apparently had son-in-laws, but they didn't want to go. His neighbors didn't want to go. And unfortunately, when you read Lot's story, you're told how Lot and his wife and his two daughters, as they're fleeing, his wife struggled with sort of maybe leaving her home. I don't know if you've ever had to leave a home, but if you do, you can probably relate to that struggle, leaving behind maybe her friends and her family. And the Bible tells us that when she looked back with this perhaps longing for, for what she was leaving behind, she was turned into a pillar of what? Salt. She missed heaven by this much. What's Jesus talking about here? By referencing the story of Lot and his wife, Jesus wanted his listeners to know, he wants you and me to know that his second indicator that we should be on the look for before he returns. Point number two is what I call material clutching. Material clutching. People are going to hold a tight grip on their financial estate. Look at what Jesus says in the next verses as he unpacks this. He says, on that day... A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out on the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. We'll stop there. Now, brothers and sisters, just personalize this. What are you holding on to materially? You know, how tightly are you holding on to the here and now? You know, I, I've shared the, the story where I had this pristine trumpet. I was a trumpet player in, in high school and college, and I had this, it's still a pristine trumpet. It's a Los Angeles Benj large bore trumpet. They're hard to find. And I, I, I lent it to a friend of mine who was the band instructor at Newport Harbor High School, and he gave it to one of his students who put a big dent in the bell. And he didn't even tell me. He gave it back to me and I got this horn. I go, oh my gosh, this, this pristine horn. And I was so angry with this object. 
And every time I read this passage of scripture, now my, that trumpet's in the closet somewhere I can't even play anymore, you know. But it, it reminded me like, wow, I'm holding on pretty tightly to this, this object. I know a pastor who was at, a pastor at Calvary Chapel Church and he got this new Porsche. And he, would, he parked it way the heck, way as far out in the parking lot as you could get away from everybody because it was his thing. It was his idol. And one Sunday he came out from church and the parking lot was empty except right next to his car, this Porsche was another car. <laughs> and they scratched and dented the door. But he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him because now he could park back where everybody else parked and it freed him from this material thing. And so all I'm saying is as pastors, we all have, we even, we even have idols in our life. But for you, what are you holding on to? How much of your time do you spend every day tracking the stock market? How much of your time every day do you spend trying to find that deal on Amazon? How much of your energy and your focus is on this world? Listen, we talk about this. God expects us to be good stewards of his kingdom resources. God expects us to be trustworthy managers of material things. At the same time, Jesus warns us not to become so focused on this world, on the material, that we lose sight of the fact that he's coming back. You know, listen, the fact that you are here today, the fact that you are tuning in online today, tells me that you're pursuing God. You're trying to keep a good balance, and that's, that's a good thing. So well done. So, but let's pray another prayer together, okay? We'll call this a prayer of surrender. A prayer of surrender. So again, hands open, heart open, mind open, deep breath in, hold it. Exhale. Now pray this. Say, Jesus, as I wait for your return... Please help me to hold a loose grip on material stuff. God, while it's true that you're not anti-nice car, you're not anti-nice home, please protect me this year from focusing too much on worldly priorities. Jesus, I want you to have my heart. This is my legacy prayer. And everybody said... Amen. Good. Okay, let me give you the third point. And then you can, we'll see if you can see it in the scriptures. Point number three. A third thing that Jesus, Jesus tells us to look out for that's going to take place before his return is what I'm calling human calling. C-U-L-L-I-N-G. Human calling. Let's read some verses and then we'll unpack what I mean by that. Verse 34. That night, two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. When will this happen, Lord? The disciples asked. Jesus replied, just as the gathering of vultures shows there's a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Now, what do I mean by human calling? Do y'all know what calling is? Calling is really the simple process of separating stuff. So farmers will call animals. Uh, vegetables and fruits are called. 
Humans are cold. People are cold. It's basically you, you separate things based upon a certain criteria. So take fruits and vegetables. If you have a vegetable or a fruit that looks really pristine and, and special, where's a person going to sell that? At the grocery store. But if you have a, a fruit or a vegetable that's a little hanky, right? It's got a, it's not shaped like an apple should look. It kind of looks weird. Where do you sell that? At the farmer's market. One looks pretty and one doesn't look, one looks less pretty. That's what, the, so they would call fruits and vegetables. Athletes. Defense over here. Offense over here. Wide receivers over here. Quarterbacks over here, right? It's just a way of, of, of calling. Remember the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 31 where the Bible tells us that Jacob, when he brought his sheep to the breeding trough, he would separate the streaked from the spotted, right? From the, from the white, from the dark, from the speckled. He would partition, partition them into groups. Basically, those were some were to be kept and others were to be given to his father-in-law Laban. He was calling his animals. And so here's, look, come back to the scripture. In a similar way, Jesus is saying that prior to his return, God the Father is going to do some human calling. So think about this. How many of you in your course of your life have lost a loved one to death? It could be a parent, it could be a friend, it could be a co-worker. Someone who you know. Basically what we see, someone who has died prematurely that is an indicator of human calling. God is bringing people home. And you go, well, that's not catastrophic. It is catastrophic when it happens to you. But the point is, Jesus is saying, people are going to die here and there. And you say, well, you say, Pastor Mike, that's happening right now, right? Daily normalcy, material clutching, human calling, that's happening right now. And I'm saying, exactly. So what's Jesus telling us? Be ready. Don't get caught asleep. If there's daily normalcy, check. If there's material clutching, check. If there's human calling, check. I've lost loved ones in my life too. Those are all indicators that Jesus could come back anytime. So don't fall asleep. Be ready. Live every day as if it could be your last. So think about this. If you knew that today was going to be the last day that you were going to live on this earth, how many of you would go immediately go home and clean your toilet? Now, I'm not anti-cleaning bathroom toilets. They're important. How many of you, though, however, if you knew that today was your last day on this earth, you might call a friend up and say, hey, can we go for coffee? Or maybe you'd gather the family together and say, hey, can we have a meal together? Or maybe for some of you, you would spend a, a little bit of time reading God's word and praying and just thanking him for the life that you ha have lived. Who would you call? What things would you do and not do? Friends, Jesus tells us that our days are numbered, that his return is imminent, and so he invites us to live with a daily readiness. Are you with me? Steward your time well. And so the starting point for all of us to steward well, really, is to, to meet our maker, is to steward your soul. And so the question that you need to ask and answer for yourself is, have you asked Jesus Christ to be your savior? That's the starting point. Have you asked Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life? That's the starting point. 
If you want to be ready for when he comes back, that's the starting point. Jesus, I invite you to forgive my sins and I invite you to be the Lord of my life and try to transform me into the person that you want me to be. And then after you do that, I would say make a bucket list. How many of you have a bucket list? Make a bucket list and start, start getting after it. All the while keeping an eye on the sky, waiting for Jesus' return. Maybe this year, like I said, maybe today you go home a different way than you normally go home. You don't want to get caught into this normal, normalcy of life. This past week I was walking with a group of guys and we were saying, you know, maybe we should all go bungee jumping. I'd be down for that. Should we have a Palm Harvest bungee jumping party? How many would go bungee jumping? Lexi, you see, I see, yeah. You know? Big no. Big no. You know, maybe this, 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 this year you, you make a decision that one time a month when I go out to eat, I'm going to order something new off the menu. The point is, just don't get caught up in the daily normalcy of life. Live, have a bucket list, travel someplace you, you've never been to before. Maybe this is the year for you to invite a friend to church. If, this, if you knew that this was your last day or if this was your last week or if this is your last month on, on this planet, maybe this would be, you know what, now's the time for you to come. Would you just come and join me one week at my church to be a part of my church family? Uh, after that, you, can, you don't need to come back if you don't want to. Who would you talk to if you knew that today was your last day? Who would I talk to? Living with this attitude of readiness. So let's say a prayer of readiness, okay? We're going to say one more prayer. And then we're going to go into communion. So this will be our last prayer today for the moment. It's called the prayer of readiness. So take a deep breath in. Put your palms out in front of you. Deep breath in. Hold it. Exhale. Now pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, please forgive my sins and save my soul. Please forgive my sins and save my soul. So that if today was the day that you chose to call me from this earth, I will be ready. Now pray this, but until that day comes, Jesus, until that day when I breathe my last breath, I pray that you would help me to be a good steward of my time. <clears throat> and please help me to grow spiritually this year. This is my legacy prayer. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Excellent. So get after it, Palm Harvest Church. Live dangerously this year. Recognize that Jesus is coming back, and if he doesn't come back today, yay for all of us, right? Well, maybe not. Maybe if he doesn't call us back today, and that could be a win too, I don't know. But live today as if it could be your last. Touch someone's life. Say thank you. Have a smile on your face. Let this year be the year of positivity. Bring hope to people. Because Christ is coming back for all of us.